some horse whinnies for a, a, a centaur. Nope, not doing that either. No. Nope. <laughs> 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 Welcome to my glade. <laughs> We're moving right on. Live from the Mundangerous Recording Booth in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 284 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about creating and using voices in your game. But first, the party dodges incoming fire in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, the big talker fights toe-to-toe with the biggest monsters around in the Character Creation Forge. Hey, we're back. Huh? Normal format. <laughs> Did you think that we were just going to go away and be bi-weekly from now on forever? We thought maybe too. <laughs> <laughs> we are, however, still trying to like wash off that actual play, you know, but I don't know, Shane, like some things don't fully completely wash off. Like there might still be a little actual play lingering in the future got a sweet sweet taste of that actual play and now we can't give it up it's so easy (laughs) it's not it requires talent and hard work and dedication to the no it's it's natural for us not ours (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) other people do work (laughs) that's right um so some of you have already given us uh some suggestions on like how to incorporate Uh, AP in the future, whether that's like a seasonal format, which kind of sounds interesting, or like once a month or more often than that or something like that. So if you have any ideas, uh, let us know what you'd like to hear. We're open to it. Yeah, something I'm really kind of mulling over is like the holidays always become hard for us to record. So Mm -hmm. if we could do something around the holidays or or right after the holidays, right, where, um, you know, we can use the holiday time to kind of record actual play because that's a little easier to record and then during the normal year, we have a, a little more time. So, I mean, if we make it bank holidays, then you know we're we're at once a month at least. How many bank holidays fall on Thursdays? Uh, mm, See, we're screwed. I think we need to start a bank. <laughs> All right. Also, news: uh, we have our Gen Con online panel coming up next Saturday, September eighteenth at one p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll send a Zoom link before the panel if you signed up. And you can do that at gencon.com slash events. Just search for Total Party Thrill if you'd uh, like to join us for a very special first time ever uh, panel about some stuff we've talked about. It is called Skin Deep, Playing Realistic Non-Human RPG Characters. Uh, and if you go to gencon.com slash events, search for Total Party Thrill. It is the only event you will find. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As of uh, the last time I checked. <laughs> also a link in the show notes. Uh, many of you have already signed up. Very excited to see all of you there. Um, come on by. It'll be a good time. We'll have uh, some time for Q&A as well. So if you want to, I don't know, just chat us up. Or if you have actual questions about the actual topic, we could answer those too. All right, Ishan. So where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? The Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And by listener request, we're kicking it off with a quick recap.
near the end of the last war, a motley band of refugees and strangers seek shelter in a house Jurasco compound, but are killed when the morning occurs just a few miles away. Bad timing, kids. Their resurrection by the house seems like a benevolent act. Four years later, they receive a plea for help from one of their number, Ephraim Deorian, who has died in Karnath. Yes, we tracked the killer, found out it was an undead abomination stitched together from the corpses of lesser undead. I always say undead abomination, but like, aren't they all abominations? Well, not in Karnath. That's a good point. There, they're just industry. We tracked this down to a rogue sect of House Jurasco that was making the creatures in a secret lair run by a powerful spellcaster who turns out to be one of the very refugees who died with the party on the day of mourning. Dun dun dun. But she's not herself. And the party realizes far more happened to them when they were dead than they first suspected. So after destroying the lair, the party heads to Korth to return Ephraim's body to his family. And then his sister, Valina Dorian, becomes the party's patron. And they set out to track down the rest of the rogue Tarasco sect and find answers to what happened to them. After killing yet another of the former refugees, they realize they are up against the most dangerous and vile weapon of the quarry, Mind Seeds. So now on the way to Undare, the last known location of Otho, the sect's leader, they are ambushed by pirates. So the pirates fire a volley of arrows and most of them hit the ship as the party ducks below the railing. And then two fireballs light up the sails, which begin to burn like two huge uh, candles, or should we say tissue paper? It's <laughs> rather fast. They were coated in lard for speed. Uh-huh, as, yeah. as you do in worlds with magical flames tossed about willy-nilly. <laughs> so Lenore and Switch focus fire with their bows and begin picking off the pirates. Warden, though, calls lightning from the sky, scattering the small boats as each helmsman maneuvers out from under the cloud that's shooting lightning bolts at them, which seems like a pretty good tactic. And then Bramble polymorphs himself into a giant crocodile <laughs> and dives into the water with one purpose in mind. To feed. My favorite thing about Bramble using polymorph is that he's like a relatively gentle shifter bard right but then he's just like i'm gonna turn myself into a mindless hungry creature and just have at it and wake me up when it's over the pirates regroup and pincushion lenore who drops to the deck but switch army crawls over to her to lay on hands then with all the party members out of sight on the deck the pirates turn their fire to the only available target the captain who dies with an arrow in his heart. And the ship begins to list as his hands fall away from the wheel. It is never a good idea to help the party. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll find out what happens next, next week. But this week, we are talking about using voices. Which means we're doing impressions, right? Constantly. 
that's all we're doing. Um, I only have impressions from like the 1940s, though. Yeah, so see, we're doing impressions here. <laughs> it's Bugsy Malone. We're doing some Casablanca. Okay, no, this is not an episode about how to do impressions. Um, so you can just, I guess, turn it off. Skip this week. Of all the podcasts in all the world, you had to walk into mine. It's also not an episode about voice acting. Um, I know there's there's a lot of crossover I have found between like the voice acting community and people interested in voice acting and people who play RPGs. Um, this is not about that because you do not need to be good at making voices to make immersive voices. I think that's really the main thing that we want to drive home here. You don't have to be good at this. We're just going to talk today about some ways that you can do it and make it better for your game. So that is the unfortunate kind of byproduct, right, of like the proliferation of streams and actual mm-hmm. play where people can watch others playing the game. Um, a lot of times others who are naturally gifted and very talented and skilled and trained in uh, in things that would be great to bring to the table that you don't have that training and skill. So professional people who are getting paid to do that. Right. <laughs> now, fortunately, we also don't have that skill. So <laughs> we've got some cheats i guess (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um so you know like getting caught up in making a voice sound the way that you intend to make it come out of your mouth is totally a losing game like forget what you've seen or heard from the professional actual plays that you've watched we are though talking about how to create distinctive voices for your characters that will add value to your game Maybe that means using a voice that sounds strange or maybe even like sounds stupid to you at first, like is embarrassingly dumb and you don't want to do it. Like just dive in, get past any stage fright, like get over the idea that the voice is bad. It It's going to work. We're just going to talk about how to make it work a little better. All right. So if it's so much work, then why do it? For one, uh, many groups expect it. You know, uh, players want to have different voices for different NPCs so that they can tell them apart. Um, you know, a lot of times GMs want players to like have character voice. So it's easy Mm -hmm. to tell when they're in character or out of character. It's also a chance for players to exercise their acting chops. Um, you know, you've got your one character, you may as well like bring them to life as much as possible, but you know, you can also like engage with the world. Um, and you know, if you're like creating NPCs, uh, as a player, uh, if it's that kind of game, then you can throw that in as well. And it, it, it makes everything, the entire world becomes a lot more immersive. If somebody has sort of a, a slow, like kind of erroneous speech pattern, then you're probably going to think that maybe this isn't their first language or maybe they're a little slow. Um, you know, you, you might infer something about the character. If they have like a deep gravelly voice, you might think they're intimidating, right? So you can kind of signpost some of the, the things that you want to get across to uh, to the players or to the, you know, the rest of the group uh, just by using your voice. We're going to talk about some approaches to creating voices. And I think the first maybe easiest way and probably a way that you're already using to make any voices that you might be using in your game is tropes like just lean into the tropes lean into the voices that your group is already familiar with it's a really great shorthand for characterization 
Um, and this means that other players might also be able to chime in or, you know, in terms of telegraphing who this person is, what they think, their demeanor, half the work is all already done for you. So, Shane, like you said, you know, you throw out a, a gravelly voice and, you know, it conjures to mind Clint Eastwood in a spaghetti western, someone who's tough, to put that in game terms, you know, high constitution, um, high pain threshold, uh, no nonsense, skilled in intimidation, right? Like suddenly just by talking like this, you've you've telegraphed that th there are like five different components about this character that are either true and then that's easy and you just go with it or are things that you can subvert later. In a world where NPCs <laughs> talk like this. Every single one of them. I can't uh, differentiate them anymore. <laughs> They're all the bad anti-hero. <laughs> the classic villain, the gleeful evil cackle, right? <laughs> you're, you're Dr. Evil, you're Wicked Witch of the West, you're, uh, you're, you're Bond villain, right? That you need the Russian accent for, too. Oh, <laughs> you're too late, Mr. Bond. All of these are things that most of your players are going to be familiar with already. Um, and yeah, is it campy? Sure. But does it tell your players exactly who they're dealing with? Absolutely, right? If you've got the Bond villain voice, then that means they're probably pretty serious and the stakes are high. And they're going to monologue. If the monologue, though, happens in a Dr. Evil voice... They're going to get interrupted during their <laughs> monologue. <laughs> if you want to let players know that they're dealing with, like, a stuck-up paladin, then, like, a Dudley Do-Right voice, Mmm, hello! It's a pleasure to meet you! Oh, that's your paladin voice? <laughs> it's a Dudley Do-Right paladin, which means they're too lawful good. That's the voice of your uh, of behemoth. <laughs> behemoth was a little more nasally. The devil that you that we found bound in a cup in the first Morning Glory campaign. You know, behemoth never lied to you. Uh-huh. If you want to do the anti-hero, then, you know, you've got your breathy and edgy Batman voice, right? Hi, it's good to meet you. Uh, it's a good thing you're here because there are a lot of goblins we've got to kill. <laughs> I like I like the voice. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm struggling with the adjective you've you've used the adjectives you've used to describe it. I when I think of breathy, I think of like ah, I I mean we just gotta ah, you know like kind of panicky when I think of breathy. I don't necessarily think of like low and gravelly. Um, I, I like a panicky antihero. I'm into that. Okay. <laughs> Um, if you're going to do any kind of pilot, any kind of pilot who's flying, whatever, a mech, an a F-1 fighter jet, whatever, just put your hand over Just put your hand over your mouth. All right. Hey, uh, red leader, red leader. Uh, we're going to prepare for takeoff. Classic, classic way to use a radio or an intercom or a Vox link. Does it necessarily make any sense in the game world? Uh, -huh. but does everyone understand that they're flying some sort of flying machine yeah absolutely <laughs> that's i mean i assume that's what message sounds like when it plays in your mind <laughs> lean into family members that you might have right like use your bobby's voice wilmo's voice from gates of morning 2 i'm pretty sure it was just this voice the whole time <laughs> i i'm gonna look into house jurasco i there's a rogue element and i'm going to find out for you who it is so that we all don't get murdered <laughs> We already did this a little bit, but use characters from TV shows that all of you like. You know, mimic the voice, uh, mimic the mannerisms, 
mimic the vocabulary and people will automatically assume that the character is like the character that you're copying. Uh, whether that's, I don't know, Seinfeld, does it really matter? Chandler from Friends, um, or, or if it's just like a Bugs Bunny voice, you know? Hey, uh, it's it's nice to meet you. Come on, uh, come on into my my inn here. You know, I, look, I don't have a galanta seal, but like that doesn't matter. It doesn't it doesn't matter? It's fine. Just just sit down and eat. Eat and shut up. What's the deal with cure wounds? <laughs> if you roll low, you barely cure any wounds at all. What if you cure someone who doesn't have any wounds? Hit points aren't meat. Particularly when you're dealing with like fantasy games um, or, you know, sci-fi games too, animalistic voices or, or voices with animalistic characteristics go a long way. So, you know, if you're doing a yuan tea, like throwing throw some hissing or just like like a lot of sibilance, you know, like lean, lean into your, your S's. Big cats have a growl, right? So mm-hmm. lower an octave and, and kind of put some roughness in your voice. How would you do that, Shane? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i might throw, throw in a few snorts for you know a, a boar-headed chaos beast uh some horse whinnies for a, a, a centaur nope not doing that either no <laughs> 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 welcome to my glade <laughs> we're moving right on there is, is is that an animal voice or a tv voice they used electric shocks on Mr. Ed to make him talk. I just want all of you to know that, okay? <laughs> Another thing you can lean into is just variations on your own voice. So everybody, you know, obviously you have your own speech pattern. If you can kind of just manipulate that a little bit so it sounds a little more alien to you, um, a lot of times that can be much easier to maintain over time because you don't have to try to remember an accent or try to remember, like, the mouthfeel that produced that sound. You can just kind of like, oh, well, you know, if I stutter a little bit more often, I can sound, you know, scared. Um, you know, if I uh, if I if I kind of search for my words a little, then I, I sound, you know, less confident in the words that I'm saying. Or just like switch octaves, right? This is really good because you can maintain the same voice over a longer period of time. Um, it's good if you're doing a small group of voices that you need to switch back and forth between relatively often. Um, and the, the variations we're talking about are super simple, like your voice, but deeper, right? So here's my normal voice and here's a voice, here's my voice deeper, right? This, this is just a voice that would be someone maybe who's heavier, um, uh, taller, and maybe a little scarier. Or perhaps you'd like to pinch your nose and sound like this, somebody who just, you know, is a little bit more uppity and perhaps proud of their education. And if you want, you can literally just pinch your nose. Well, I can't do that because then I can't breathe. Then you can uh, do a a breathing through your mouth. And that's an entirely different kind of character. (laughs) Uh, You can do a high falsetto. This is just my voice in a falsetto. And I don't know, maybe it's a pixie. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a terrifying monster who just happens to sound like this. And now you're put at ease before I eat you. (laughs) And like... If all of these sound like over the top and ridiculous, that's kind of the point here. Um, I think about like gender politics of Harry Potter aside, if you've ever heard the American version of the Harry Potter audiobooks, Jim Dale got a uh, Guinness World Records record for creating the most number of voices for the fifth Harry Potter book. And when you listen to him, he does like 
Hermione's voice and Harry Potter's voice and Voldemort's voice, etc. Right. But they're all just Jim Dale. The, they all just sound like him, right? It's not like he's trying to sound like a 13-year-old girl when he does Hermione's voice. But after like an hour of listening to him do the voice, as soon as he uses the voice he picked for Hermione, which is just, you know, a 50-year-old man pretending to do a little girl's voice, you're like, oh, yep, that's Hermione. And it doesn't sound weird anymore. You can get an audiobook that just has just has like American accents. So he's the guy who did the voiceover for Pushing Daisies. He Britishes it up a bit, but the yeah, the, it's definitely not like Stephen Fry reading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> reading the originals. And then we've alluded to this a bit, but another thing you can do is just straight up accents, like regional accents, maybe like, hey, this is how my family from Ohio talks. I don't have family from Ohio, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I can't. I can't place the difference in the Midwest either, so no demo there. <laughs> One thing, though, you need to be careful about things like national accents, ethnic accents. They're definitely a slippery slope. Um, they can easily become negative stereotypes or appropriation or insensitive or just straight up racist, depending on like who you are, what accent you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's usually pretty safe to stick with uh, the British Empire. Um, they're all <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> Most people in the world can't tell the difference between them anyway. So you'll just drift in and out to whatever feels natural. A little bit of Cockney, throw in some Gaelic, I guess. Um, and, you, you know, you can't do a GIF voice without, um, you know, British imperialists. Uh, yeah, right. And then, you know, you've got Scottish dwarves and, and the usual. So it, you know, it lands. All right. So let's talk about some methods to actually do this. One way to do it is practice out loud. Um, you know, if you've got some time on your hands, try a voice out, see how it sounds to you, tweak it a little bit. Um listen to a character whose voice you want to emulate on TV or wherever, um, and then just play around with your voice to see if you can get some kind of approximation. You do not need to sound like the person at all. What you're looking for is the, the tone and the feeling of it so that you can convey a lot more information. Yeah, it can be really helpful to find anchor words. Mm-hmm. Like things that let you find the right mouth shape or or the right tone that you're looking for. So, um, you know, it, that's that's how people often learn accents. Right. So you can use the same kind of thing, even if you're just making up the tone of voice that you're using. Find a few words that always kind of help you center on on what sound you want to make and use those as kind of your warm up. Yeah. Like if you watch people do impressions on Saturday Night Live those those people are not necessarily the best impressionists. That is not why they were hired in the first place. But when they are doing an impression, it's because they'll use a catchphrase and because they have a bunch of makeup on to look like that person that really sells it. So, you know, say the thing in the way that the character would say it and you're 90% of the way there. The alternative is to just... Use whatever comes out when you start speaking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is our actual play. Yeah, let the voice emerge as you go. And then, you know, you, you need to kind of try to find some way to remember what they sound like if it's a recurring voice um, or, or conversely, make sure that you're emerging with a voice that you want to repeat for the next several sessions, because 
I, I've definitely like started playing games with voices that like hurt my throat and then was like, hey, that's uh, we're, we're not doing that anymore. I'm, I this is killing me. <laughs> right. Uh, they clear their throat and it turns out they had a frog in their throat the entire time. The whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Sorry, I'm just getting over a cold. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that can be helpful is read children's books to children because naturally you will start making up dumb voices and you can just use those in your game. Uh, the the book that my tiny daughter who doesn't understand any of the book whatsoever recently um, is like the Gruffalo. She loves that one and there's there's a mouse, there's a fox, there's an owl, there's a snake and there's a Gruffalo. And like every single one of those has a different dumb voice each of those could be ported over very simply into a game without necessarily being tied to that animal, but it is tied to the characteristics or the stereotypical characteristics of that animal, right? So the mouse, the mouse just talks like this, and the fox talks like this, and the owl talks like this, and the snake talks like this, and the gruffalo talks like this. So, like, I don't know, find a kid and read a book to him, and the you voices will just sort of, like, sprout. It also helps, I think, if you don't have a preconceived idea of what the voice should be, because you're not doing an impression, right? So whatever comes out is fine. Uh, You can tweak it over time, right? Because voices change, but you don't have to. You can just roll with it. Your players or the other people at the table, if, if you are a player, don't know what you were going for. They didn't know that you were trying to do 1930s Rum Runner, see? Uh, all they know is like a voice came out and for all they know, that was the voice that you were going for. And like, that's how the character sounds. And it is spot on. Right. So let's talk about some alternatives to voices. I mean, the easiest thing to do is just don't do any voices, right? Like don't try to modulate your voice at all. Change your vocabulary, change your pronunciation of particular words, change your rhythm to indicate the different personalities. Um, The thing that I did in the original Morning Glory campaign was any character who was from Seer actually pronounced it Kyrie, which is a thing that like Jim came up with because he was playing the the character from there. And he was like, actually, uh, this thing is true. Um, But then anyone who wasn't from there, someone from from a different country, always pronounced it Seer. And if you don't want to do a voice, you can always just narrate or paraphrase rather than act, right? So describe the tone, describe the emotion or the sound of voice. The prime minister seems like he's, he gets pretty angry, actually. He sort of, he lashes out when he responds and tells you that there's absolutely no way that he's going to sign this treaty. And in fact, his voice begins to climb as he points out error after error and how there's absolutely no way that, you know, his, his government will, will be a party to this. I, I didn't use any voice. I just explained to you what happened, but you still get an image of who this person is. You can also play with the uh, speed that people talk, speaking slower, more deliberately versus faster, more excitedly. Like you can convey the localized emotion just by speeding up or slowing down whatever voice you're using, even your own. Yeah, I really like slowing down because it gives you way more time to like figure out what the heck you're doing. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out what I'm saying here. Right. I just insert. He So he pauses here thoughtfully for a moment. <laughs> he strokes his chin and wonders, what right. would I say right now? <laughs> you understand here that she's very deep in thought and she's giving this very careful consideration. You've struck a nerve. 
What do you do next? Uh, so we've already mentioned some of these, but just some caveats to really call out here. Um, yeah, obviously be careful. Uh, as we mentioned, right? Y- using accents and, and other nationalities can get offensive. Um, even some of the tonal things and then, you know, can, can certainly offend people at the table um, or kind of be in poor taste. So kind of stick to your wheelhouse, right? Um, the place that you're from is is always safe. So use that accent. Yeah. If you're in doubt. Patois is often like a, a go-to for people who are sort of making fun of other people. So that really is just something to steer steer very clear of. I don't even know what that means. Localized dialects, very localized dialects. Pick a voice that you're not going to like hurt yourself doing long-term, but also just make sure you're not going to wear yourself out, whether that is, you know, physically in terms of like actually doing the voice or, or just in terms of the effort required to come up with all these voices and to like keep track of them and to switch between them. You know, if this is going to be something that takes up way too much of your prep time or that is causing you stress, you know, maybe like pick one or two characters that have a, a cool and interesting voice that you like and, and you want to stick with and the rest you, you narrate or do what you've already been doing. Or likewise, if you're spending your time thinking of how to say the thing that you want to say rather than what you want to say, like maybe you should simplify the voice acting piece of your of your character. Mm. Whenever I do like elaborate accents, I'm always like, wait a minute, how do I say this? Wait, what was I supposed to say? I've missed my moment. Uh, I'm spending so much time thinking about if I'm doing this accent well, that I'm not really focused on like, I, I could be telegraphing who this person is through their actions by right. murdering a PC. <laughs> Why aren't they being horribly violent and showing them how cruel they are? That, that would really be immersive. Right. <laughs> if uh, voices are not really your wheelhouse, or is this, this is something that you haven't spent a fair amount of time on, I definitely suggest just trying it out. You know, you may find out that you like it a lot more than you suspect you will. Um, and it can be a, a lot of fun. Um, I think a lot of the times I end up making a voice for a character for me, like, I don't really care if anyone else at the table likes it. Like, Wilmo was Wilmo because I like, uh, I like actually saying that voice because it's so much fun to use. Um, and then, you know, she just stuck with it. And actually, when I was voicing that character, I stayed in character longer than I usually do with characters just because I got such a kick out of it. For me, like, I like voices, uh, but only when the only audience is playing the game um, or at mm-hmm. least is aware that we're playing a game, right? Like I hate uh, I hate using voices in like semi-public places. Like even like, you know, when we're playing online and my wife is around, like I'm like, oh, I hate doing like this feels so stupid. <laughs> so like that's always like my hesitation or like, you know, it's fine at a convention. But if we were playing it like a uh, maybe even like a game store, I don't know that I would really want to go into voices. Yeah. I mean, I had to do Meepo voice and figure out Meepo voice while my wife was sitting on the couch working and just like occasionally looking up over me like, what What are you doing? Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's horrible. This is why we record after my wife goes to sleep. <laughs> but like we said, it can be fun. Give it a shot. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? Yep. It's that operator. She needs to get me an outside line. <laughs> All right. Well... While you're getting the outside line, we're going to ring up the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. 
We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sense Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's now a dice roller. Woo! There's a link in the show notes. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Big Talker. Ishan, what is the Big Talker? It is a revised grappler using the Rune Knight by request from Ari. Because due to some errata or, I don't know, oversights on our part, I'm not really sure. It doesn't really matter. It's neither here nor there. The old grappler uh, actually can't do what it was originally designed to do, which is take on the Tarrasque. Because you can't uh, grapple creatures that are larger than one size category larger than you, which sucks. So now we got to get bigger. Got to get right? bigger. Mm-hmm. Got to get bigger. Must gotta get, get bigger. Literally the biggest, actually. Okay. Well, how do we do it? It is Rune Knight 18, Artificer 2. Bear with us. All right, to kick it off, race, you want a customized origin pick, Mountain Dwarf, for plus two strength, and then you can swap that plus two con into intelligence. And then take all those dwarven weapon proficiencies, you don't need them, trade them all for tools, and then your background, don't take languages, take tools. You'll see. (laughs) Okay. So start off with eight levels of fighter and take the unarmed fighting style. Hey, one of these one of these new wacky, uh, not wacky things. It gives you 1d6 damage on your unarmed strikes. If you're totally unarmed, it's 1d8. And at the beginning of any turn where you've got creatures grappled, you deal an automatic 1d4 damage to them. Uh, we'll get second wind and action surge. You know, normal fighter stuff. All right, at level three, you get the Rune Knight subclass, and you get to pick two runes. Uh, I'm going to suggest here Stone and Frost. So Stone will give you advantage on insight checks and dark vision out to 120 feet. And once per rest, uh, you can force a save versus incapacitation. If they fail that save, well, incapacitated creatures auto-fail grapple checks. So guess what? You're already the best grappler in the entire world. Great. Uh, Frost gives you advantage on animal handling and intimidation, which is cool, I guess, for a, a greasy naked person who, you know, wants to wrestle. Uh, and then once per rest, you can give yourself plus two to strength and constitution checks and saving throws for 10 minutes, which of course is going to affect your uh, grapple check. But here's what we're really here for. You get Giant's Might. Uh, proficiency bonus times per day, you use a bonus action to become large which gives you advantage on strength checks and saving throws, including uh, your grapple, and lets you deal an extra d6 damage per round. You'll get ASIs, and of course we'll take the skill expert feat. Ishan, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, look, previous our previous grapplers relied on Rogue One to get expertise. You can also take Ranger One these days, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but we're not going to take any levels to get expertise. We're going to take this feat, which gives you plus one to a skill, no, sorry, plus one to an ability score, probably strength, an extra skill, great, uh, and expertise. We're, of course, going to take athletics. Okay. It's sort of up to you if you want to take the ASI here or you want to take expertise first. You could also take custom lineage, like an entirely like make up your own feet, your make up your own race, and then you get an you get a feat here, and then you could take this at first level if you really wanted to. But I think mountain dwarf is more fun. Okay. 
uh, you'll get extra attack, which will let you do your grapple and your shove uh, in the same move. Because remember, when you grapple someone, when you success successfully grapple them, their speed is zero. So if you can get them on the ground with a shove, which replaces an attack, then they're prone and their speed is zero, which means they cannot stand up as long as they're grappled. Right. And because they're prone, now all your friends are getting advantage on their attacks. All right. At level seven, you get to pick another rune. Storm is probably what you want to do here because it gives you advantage on Arcana checks and you can't be surprised. All right. That's great. But once per rest, as a bonus action, you can enter a prophetic state that lasts for a minute. During that time, as a reaction, you can grant advantage or disadvantage to an attack roll, saving throw, or check that you see. So it can be you, it can be someone else. You're not going to need to grant yourself advantage on your grapple check because you already have it when you're large. But if you want to give disadvantage to the person who's trying to resist your grapple or escape it, hey, why not? And you can do that every round. At level 7, you can force an attacker to re-roll their attack roll, proficiency bonus times per day. And then at level 8, again, your choice of an ASI or I guess you could take the Tavern Brawler feat, which lets you initiate a grapple um, as a bonus action it's not necessary for this build whatsoever. You could just focus on your ASIs if you wanted. Uh, then we'll take our two levels of Artificer, uh, getting us Thieves Tools and Tinker's Tools proficiency. Uh, we'll get spells like Guidance uh, to boost our athletics a little further. <laughs> uh, Booming Blade, which is great with forced movement, and uh, you can trigger that while you're grappling them. Uh, absorb Elements, Cure Wounds, those kind of utility spells. You also get four infusions known, two of which can be active at a time, and you're going to want two very specific ones. The first one is the Armor of Magical Strength. It has six charges, and you expend one to add your intelligence bonus to a strength check or saving throw, which is what this build does. And then the other one is the Mind Sharpener, which has four charges, one of which you can expend to succeed on concentration checks. Why would you be making concentration checks? We'll get to that. Right now, actually, because as an artificer, you have enlarge reduce on your spell list. Can you cast it? No, because it is level <laughs> two and you do not have second level spell slots. However, you can cast it off a spell scroll. And by the mid game, a level two spell scroll should be pretty easy to come by. You probably just only get those. It is a DC 12 intelligence check in order to cast it. You can use Guidance to give yourself an extra D4, and you can use your Storm Rune to give yourself advantage if you really, really want to make sure that you're hitting that DC 12. That turns your large into huge. Now you are a huge creature for uh, up to a minute, as long as you got your concentration, and you got these four charges sitting right here to make sure that you don't whiff on your concentration check. <laughs> Okay, so there must be a reason we don't have second level spell slots. So let's finish out fighter and see what we get at 18. All right, you get indomitable a couple times a day uh, to reroll saving throws, uh, which includes concentration check. The next rune that you're going to get at level 10 uh, will be fire. This gives you, ready for it? Tool expertise. This is why you now have like 12 tool proficiencies. Does, does it do anything for grappling? No, but why would you not want 12 tool proficiencies that all have expertise? <laughs> Wait, is, is that the punchline? <laughs> we took all this tool expertise for nothing? No, for the, for the fire rune. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and once per rest, you can force a strength saving throw versus restrain, which also causes ongoing fire damage, which is like 
is fine. It's great. You're getting most of the stuff out of restraint anyway, but like, hey, why not? It's free damage. Uh, your damage bonus increases to a D8. At level 11, you're going to get to three attacks. At level 15, you'll be able to use all your runes twice per rest. Uh, you get to pick another rune. I think there's only one rune that you don't eventually end up picking, and it's so totally up to you whether that's Cloud or Hill. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, your capstone is Fighter 18. Uh, now, instead of becoming large, you become huge. Uh, your damage bonus increases to a D10. Your reach increases by five feet while you're huge. Uh, but of course, you're not just huge. You also can then use enlarge, reduce, and make yourself gargantuan. <laughs> and is gargantuan as big as it gets in 5e, or do we have It colossal? is as big as it gets in 5e. There is no okay. colossal anymore. You only need to be huge to grapple everybody, but fortunately you can do that pretty early on in the game, or at least in the mid-game, if you're using enlarge, reduce. <laughs> or I guess you could reduce them and give ah. them disadvantage on the saving throw with your right. storm rune and then grapple them. And grapple one-handed. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with unarmed uh, unarmed fighting style. If you have two creatures grappled, you're going to deal D40 each of them. Well, right, because you take them and, you know, knock their heads together, as you would do if you grapple two creatures. I'm glad you're here. We have to kill all these goblins. <laughs> bunk oh my god okay who is your big talker i'm kind of single-minded so is my grappler so is my my big talker um my big talker is focused on exactly what the original grappler was focused on my big talker wants to wrestle this rask <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that's exactly how she says it i want to wrestle this rask okay uh which is a gargantuan creature um, but doesn't have athletics proficiency, so I think it only has like a plus ten to it that's to its athletics check. But hey, you know, if a DM wants to give it proficiency in athletics, that's fine. The big talker will still put the Tarask on its back. Why? Because it's the biggest there is. Why climb Everest? Because it's there, <laughs> and the Tarask is just sitting there at the center of the world, waiting to awaken and be thrown flat on its back and embarrassed, just shamed back into the ground. Okay. <laughs> what about your big talker? You used an accent here, uh, and that inspired me. Mm, good. That's the point. That's the point of act of voices. My big talker came to take the bull by the horns, Ishan. Mm-hmm. A former rodeo clown got tired of being pushed around. And is now training in order to wrestle the bulls and whatever else gets in his way to the ground. Do they still wear rodeo clown makeup? Rodeo clowns don't really wear makeup. Oh, it's mostly wigs, isn't it? Yeah, they just they wear just goofy out like loud outfits, but they don't like they're just brightly colored. They don't really wear makeup. Yeah, you're right. It's not, I keep picturing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. Pennywise. <laughs> no, not that. Between the the borderline. Um, brony asmr you did earlier and and now referencing it I've, i'm gonna have to nope out of this one no clowns involved in this episode please when you're uh when you're really actually a giant spider you can grapple eight creatures <laughs> great arachnophobia <laughs> my favorite uh yeah but anyway when you want to take life by the horns and uh it's the only way out of this one horse town well you just uh walk around looking for the next big thing to grapple and uh that's how it goes sometimes that's my big talker I imagine your big talker walking around always like, you know, 
making horns, silent horns, but probably has like a, a very cheap beer in the other hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't. Know, uh, I could. I could grapple. I could grapple two creatures, but I won't because a beer that is both natural and light, perhaps. <laughs> Look, I'm a mountain dwarf. It's they like... say you can taste the Rockies. <laughs> Not using that plus two intelligence. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to burn that plus two intelligence to the ground. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. We're back. (laughs) Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show once again every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. If you do, we'll read it on the air. It is a great way and a free way to help people find the show and keep us growing and, uh, you know, help us regain some of that audience we lost when we stopped releasing weekly. <laughs> Did we not pick up anybody from actual plays? No, no. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, it's fine. It's fine. Look, this is a review from front of the show. Discord standout. Awful Monk. A must-use resource, five stars. As I've grown as a person in DM over the years, it is only because of Total Party Thrill that I am the competent dungeon master and engaged player that I am today. This is because of the fact that each episode expands on the ideas that I would have if I tried to come up with a heist, or how I would run dragons, or my ideas of the alignment chart. That is, of course, I interject here to say it's because we are stealing your ideas off of Discord, where you put Mm -hmm. your ideas. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm -hmm. We're actually quarry mind seeds, uh, or we've quarry mind seed all of our audience members so that mm-hmm. we can just take their ideas and reflect them back to them. Soon you will be us. Welcome. And we will be you. The hosts take what you know and go further than I could, and perhaps you could as well. The podcast explores a topic and delves deep into it, allowing me as both a player and DM to think and use the ideas incorporated into it. The fact that they are very engaged with each other and their community does wonders for me. If you're looking for a podcast that makes you think about what to do for your next game night and how you'll incorporate those plans into the game, look no further. I can attest, Alpha Monk, also good GM. Uh, thank you for the review. That's uh, very kind words. Thanks, Alpha Monk. And what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about skipping ahead to the action. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building the time skip. Well, that's it for episode 284 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.